So Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to just read it to us. This is God's word. Let me read it. This is Jesus speaking. It says, in starting in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what they need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord Jesus, we are about to look at a passage that may be familiar to many of us maybe even new to some of us. I pray that you would speak to our hearts what you have to say about prayer. So I pray that you would settle our hearts and our minds, that we will walk away knowing you more through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Once again, a very special welcome to you, particularly if you're visiting Canterbury Gardens Community Church. Uh, This morning, we're starting a little mini-series. We're going to be looking at this idea of prayer. We've titled this series called Pray Like Jesus. Um, We want to be known as a church for many things, but one of the things that we really want to be known for is this church is known to be a church that is dependent on prayer. We want to see that as part of our DNA. We want to continue to grow in that. We want to see that this church is known to be a church that is dependent on God by prayer, through prayer. Now, if you're wondering where we're heading, uh, there's only one big idea, one little big statement I want to make to you this morning. That prayer and the idea of prayer is relational. Prayer is relational. Now, What do I mean by that? Well, see, how you pray and who you pray to will depend on your relationship. It will depend on your relationship with this person. Now, if I see my beautiful wife after the service and I go up to her and give her a big, passionate kiss, some of you will go, ooh, that's gross. And some of you will go, wow, that that must be his wife. I hope that's his wife. And I'll say, this is my wife. And I have the right to that. She's my wife. I love her and she loves me. Now, if somebody else goes and does that, there'll be a conversation I'll be having out with them in the parking lot. But if you're visiting Canterbury Gardens, and if I, if I walked up to you today and said, hey, it's great to have you here with us at Canterbury Gardens, and I gave you a big hug and a kiss on the cheek and just held you for a very long time. Now, if you're a hugger, you'd think, oh, that's wonderful. These guys are really friendly. We've got a friendly pastor. If you're not a hugger, or if, I would guess if you don't know me and I don't know you, you'd think that's really strange. I'm not going to come back to this church again. We don't have a relationship. There's no friendship in some sense. This set of teaching is actually part of a big section of teaching. And this is predominantly aimed at the disciples of Jesus. And what's going on here is, I think it's like Jesus saying to his disciples, hey, if you had a mirror that you could hold up to yourself, a mirror that would say, this is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what it means to follow me. This is what it means to be a follower. This is what your life should look like. 
And I want you to know and understand, and particularly in the Gospel of Matthew, and particularly uh, this uh, section of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, if we look at it isolated and just kind of see as to-do list, we kind of miss the big picture. We need to understand, we need to see this in the big scope of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? See, what we need to understand as we read these, uh, these verses, as we read these truths, true accounts of Jesus' teachings to his disciples, we need to also then realize there's someone who has actually lived all of these truths out perfectly. And then he went to the cross, he died on the cross, and on the third day he was raised again on, on the third day. And now he's seated on the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning. But then he sent his Spirit to empower those who call themselves disciples of Jesus to live these truths out, not out of their own effort and strength, but through the power of the Spirit. But that can only happen if they believe in these teachings and live out these teachings. Later on in this section of Matthew, Jesus says to them, if you do these things, you're like a man who builds his house on a rock. It's that picture that is given, and this idea of rock is constantly pointing back to God being the rock and refuge, and then this idea carries on to Jesus being the true rock, the great rock. King Jesus. So you need to have this in mind as you read this prayer, as we think and meditate on these things. It always begins, though, on a relational level. All these are loving commands by Jesus, but it needs to begin an understanding about relationship. This account is once again mentioned in Luke, and I you know, I won't go too much into detail of that. It's, a, I think, a separate account, but Jesus once again reminds where there are disciples who come up and say, hey, John's disciples, this other guy, uh, they, they've been taught to pray. Can you teach us? If you're using modern-day language, it's kind of like saying these are Jesus' apprentices. They're in the trade shop or the trade shop of Jesus. They want to learn the tools of the trade. They want to understand what it means to pray. It was not uncommon at that time for those who were disciples of a particular teacher or religious teacher, they'd watch, they'd learn, they'd listen, they'd follow them around, they'll see what they're doing, how they're doing, what they're saying. So they come up and say, hey, teach us how to pray. But the interesting thing about this start of this prayer, but not only that, the whole teaching in the section of Matthew There's this thing going on in the background that I think Jesus is so good at doing always, all the time. What he does is he says to them, hey, if you're going to be a disciple of mine, it's going to be counter-cultural to the world that you live in. You're going to be representing a different kingdom, my kingdom. And what that means is he's saying, look, most of the people that pray at that time, Jesus is saying there are many who pray, many heap up words, many do all these different religious things and patterns. But ultimately their audience is others. Their motivation in their heart is ultimately for the praise of people. It's like a self-righteous act. But he says to his disciples, hey, there's only one audience for you. That is God the Father, the God of the universe. And then he says these really wonderful words of chapter 6, verse 8. Let me read it to you. He says, sorry, let me start again. He says, earlier on in the verse, he says, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. In verse 8 of chapter 6. 
Now, I don't know if you've um, looked at those words before. Maybe you're familiar with what is known as the Lord's Prayer, or I would call it the Disciples' Prayer. But he puts a premise first. Do not be like them, like those people I just talked about in the previous verses, those religious people who are doing for the audience of others. Don't be like them. Because your father already knows what you need before you ask. Now, if you've grown up in the Christian culture and you've read those verses before, it's very easy for us just to kind of go over it. Friends, that is a beautiful piece Beautiful sentence by Jesus. Now remember how I said prayer is relational? See, how we approach the God of the universe, how we approach the Lord who rules and reigns will be depending based on our relationship with him. It's much more than just how's your prayer life going. It will be driven by your relationship with this God. And maybe you're someone who's new to the Christian faith Maybe you're, you're reconnecting to the Christian faith. Maybe you're, you're exploring it. Maybe you might even be skeptical. This idea of prayer is not just exclusive to the, to the Christian faith. Now, there are other religions that pray too. There are different views that people who might not be religious might even call it karma. Or it's like touch wood. It's like a safety net. It's like a, a health insurance kind of thing that we just do. It's like flipping a coin. It also feels like a crutch. Oh, it's just one of those emotional things. There's even studies being done about prayer by secular groups that say prayer is a good thing. It's good for the the emotional well-being. So there's this idea that prayer is, oh, yeah, it's just one of those religious things. But I want you to know that's not what prayer is. That's not what Jesus is talking about. In my simplest form and definition, I would say prayer is... Simply running to the creator of the universe, the sustainer of the universe, the one who made you, the one who made me, and saying, Father, I need your help. Father, I am dependent on you. For those of us who have grown up in the Christian church, and maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, Maybe you even are used to saying this prayer. Maybe you went to a religious school or a religious background. And was, there are churches around the world, even here in Australia, as part of their normal worship, they would um, recite these words. And sometimes I think prayer gets rallied into this little area where prayer is one of those things that we just bring out on special occasions. For some of us, prayer is just one of those things that's only for emergency where things are going really bad. And sometimes prayer becomes, even in the Christian circles, of like a lucky charm. I better pray before I do anything. And for some of us, there's this weight and guilt that we feel. Oh, here we go. This is the pastor. He's about to talk about prayer. I feel really bad. I'm not praying enough. This is preparing for prayer week and for the prayer meetings. He wants us to come to all those prayer meetings. And maybe some of us love praying and it's something that is like a lifeline to us. But imagine if you had a recording um, device in front of you as you prayed and then you listened to your prayer again. Would those prayers, uh, in a sense, stir uh, an affection or would those prayers be focused and speaking to God as he is? 
Or was it just speaking to a God that's distant, far away? Was there a language of Father? What Jesus does is straight away, he, he uses, and it's even before the prayer, he's actually mentioned it a couple of times already. Your Father. Pray to the Father. And this language of Father is quite unique. It's quite strong that Jesus used these particular words. Now, I want you to just think about this just for a moment. For, for the disciples at the time, the idea of God being the Father, it's not necessarily all new. There are allusions of it to the Old Testament, the things that they would have probably heard. Maybe they've heard some rabbis talk about it. But there's this idea that Father is Father of a particular group of people, the Father of a nation. Or maybe a father of certain individuals, all pointing back to this idea of heritage, family, lordship. There was this all connection in this word. But it was always set aside for a particular group of people or a particular line. And Jesus comes and says these powerful words. He says, our father. It's not based on your heritage, let alone your religious line. It just says, our father. And he uses this term a few times in the New Testament again, and if you want to read that later. He's using a particular word. It's a striking word. It's, it's designated for, uh, for the Christian, uh, for the Jewish thought. It was a, it's a very endearing word. The word is Abba. Abba, Father. Jesus uses these words, and there's intimacy in this term. It's not something that we use every day in our lives. But it's a word that was strong and had much meaning to it. It's a term that is used often for kids who come and say, Abba, Father. That meant it was relational. There was a relationship there. So this morning, as you think about this, idea, our Father, here's a question for you. Whether if you're someone who's exploring the Christian faith, maybe you've been walking in the Christian faith for a long time, how is your relationship with Abba, Father? How is your relationship with Abba, Father? Has this Father, this God, the Father, become someone who just shows up on special occasions? Small group, Christmas, Easter. Or, or maybe this, this father, you feel like he's just an angry father who's ready to whack you as soon as you get out of line. Or maybe he's just become that good mate father. The bloke who just gives you whatever you want and lets you get away with whatever you want. It's fine. Or maybe he's become the genie father who's just there to, to listen to you and do what you ask him to do. Or maybe he's the father who's just there to pull you out only when things are in bad trouble. And look, I'm well aware, particularly here in Australia, particularly here in Kilside, in the city of Maroondah, the idea of father will, can, can, will stir in some of us different kind of memories. And this idea of Abba Father. It's not always a good image when we think about our own fathers. And maybe for some of us, we've had the best Father in the world. Jesus is using a word, Abba, Father, that's both familiar in the culture then, but it's also to say something very significant. This Father, 
the heavenly father is not like any other father. He's not like the father that is the most imperfect father in, these, in this world that we live in, yet alone he's like the most awesome, wonderful father. He's above all of that because he is the true father. He is the holy one, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But he's the one who was the one who created you and I to be in a relationship with, a loving relationship with him. And I think sometimes we often struggle in our prayer life because it comes back to our relationship with him. It comes back to how we see him, how we see who God is. See, friends, if if you're exploring the Christian faith and maybe you have a lot of questions and maybe you're not even sure, I want you to know this idea of God being the Father is one of the most significant truths that sets the Christian God apart from any other God in the world. Because this points to a God who is intimately involved in the lives of people. But there's also an assumption. There's an assumption that there is relationship there. There's an assumption that there's relationship there. I find it quite interesting, and, you know, there are different circles who may disagree with me on this, but there are different uh, areas, even in our political realm and so on, who are arguing for the Lord's Prayer, this particular prayer, not to be taken out, which I understand, and we, we understand the Christian heritage and all of that. But I find it interesting. There are men and women who will be saying these words who don't have a relationship with God at all. We don't even understand what it means to pray to the Father of the universe. What Jesus is saying to those of us who don't know who he is, who this Father is, you can't just approach the Father unless you also have a relationship with Jesus. Later on in the Gospel of John, one of the writers writes and he uh, puts an account in where this guy Thomas, one of the disciples, says, we, we do not know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So, if you're someone wondering who this God is, well, begin with Jesus. Do I have a relationship with this father? You need to have a relationship with his son. Because in knowing Jesus, you will know the father. So begin there first. Explore. Maybe talk to the friend who brought you here today. Question. But friends, for those of us who do know this God, this God of the universe who created all things, Do you see this God of the universe as your father? The one who already knows exactly what you need before you even utter what you're about to say. The one who knows exactly what's on your heart because he's your father. See, when we grow in this idea of this relationship with God, then I think the rest of the prayer even makes even more sense. Because the prayer continues and says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What Jesus is saying is, yes, this is the Father. This is the one you can approach now because of me. But not, don't forget who he is. He's unlike any other fathers in this world. 
He's hallowed. He's set apart. He's not of this world. Unlike us, we have finite. He's infinite. He is existing, has always existed. And this is a good reminder for all of us that yes, he is the Father, but he is to be hallowed. And another way to put it is actually to say that he is to be honoured. And that is a sense of both intimacy and relationship, but it should stir in us an awe, an absolute awe of who he is. There's an author by the name of C.S. Lewis. And if you know C.S. Lewis, and particularly if you've read The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, you might know where I'm about to head. There's a story about a, a guy who writes a story. It's this world, and there's this particular character called Aslan. He's a lion, and it's pointing back to this idea of Jesus. That's the idea of the author who wrote this. Now, this picture is of Jesus, but I want you to know that when you talk about Jesus, you're talking about God because they are one. And there's this beautiful line in there that C.S. Lewis writes. It's a, it's a dialogue going on with a couple of the characters. And this girl by the name of Susan says, Aslan is a lion. The lion, the great lion. Sorry, that's what Mr. Beaver said. And Susan replies and says, Who? Really? I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And Mr. Beaver responds, Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he ain't safe. But he's good. He's the king. I tell you. I love that wonderful writing by C.S. Lewis because it's a beautiful picture of a God who's both intimately involved in our lives, but there's a sense of awe and respect and honor. So Jesus says to them, as you approach our Father, understand who you're approaching. Acknowledge who he is. So be aware as you pray to him, Come with your hearts right before his throne. It's a beautiful, powerful language that Jesus ties in together. But see, if we have this in check as we come and approach the throne of God, that is why we can actually pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is teaching his disciples, and I think even for us today, that this is the one who is your father. This is the one who is honored. That means you can actually trust him with whatever is going on in your life and in this world. And that's why you can pray to him, your kingdom come, your kingly rule. We are praying for that. We are asking for that. We are asking that it will happen. And there's this dynamic going on constantly, and you see that throughout that teachings of Sermon on the Mount. Uh, some people call it the now and not yet. There's this picture of some things are happening because of what Jesus, where he's seated now, he reigns and rules, and his kingdom is expanding. But the idea of not yet, because there's a rule, there's a day coming when Jesus will return as the king, the true king. And we're praying for that, for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. His good and perfect will. Jesus is teaching his disciples. What you're doing now is you're, not, you're going beyond yourself. It's not just about your everyday needs. It's now being involved in God's work in this world. Now, there's much I can go on this, and you can talk to me a little bit about that later if you're interested. 
But what I love about Jesus' teaching in this prayer is to say, this Father who's perfect, this Father who is, um, you, can, you need to honor, this Father whose actions are always good and perfect, your kingdom come, your will be done. Saying, you're calling out and saying, Abba, Father, rule, reign. And we can actually rest in that. Uh, last week, we had one of our neighbors over for tea. And she's just moved into our, we live in a block of units, 10 units in total. She came over for dinner. She just moved into our uh, little block of units. And she was just sharing some of the things that's going on in her life. And she was just sharing some of the challenges that are going on in her life. And she was just talking about, you know, I just want to make sure I make the right decision. And if I, if, if, because, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know how it's going to head there. And what I love about these kind of stories is because there are moments where I think, okay, Lord, you put her here. My job is to bring her into a relationship with you. It's all on me. It's all on me. And I, and I said to her, hey, um, can I just share something with you? And they already know we're Christians. And we've made quite uh, openly about that. All our neighbors know that. And we said, I said, can I share something with you? And she turned around to me and said, oh, yeah, okay. So look, this is the Christian bit. This is the bit where I talk about Jesus. And she goes, oh, yeah, I figured. Okay, go. I said, I'll do a little bit of drawing and explain it. And she's like, okay. She goes, look, no offense. I understand where you're coming from. I don't mind you. That's okay. You know, but I I won't go there. So that's fine. I just want to share with you just what I think about this idea that you're sharing. She goes, yeah, yeah, it's okay. I've got a best mate of mine who's a Christian, and she's been trying to convert me most of my life. And in that moment, obviously, they're going, she has no idea what God's up to. Because God is involved in her life already, and has always been. He sees her. I'm just part of that chain. See, this young lady, she's sharing her troubles and her burdens, and she doesn't know yet there's a father who cares for her, who knows her, who loves her, who sent his son to die for her. And one also knows her future and her past. And is drawing her to herself. See, prayer is a reminder for all of us that you and I are utterly dependent on our Father, our Abba Father. Even as you sit there and as you breathe, God is giving you that breath. I think Jesus is teaching both his disciples then and even today, this father is good, he's to be honored, and we're crying out for his bidding in this world, and we're crying out for his bidding in this neighborhood in our lives. But friends, what would that mean? What does that actually mean? But first, like I said, where is your relationship with God? Can I remind you again? First, it begins by looking back to Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is the one who's the perfect example of what it means to approach the Father. This is the one who went to the garden. The one who made it possible for you and I to approach the creator of the universe. This is the one who went to the garden and said, Abba, Father, if you're willing, take this cup away. this judgment I'm about to experience. But I will submit to your will. I will submit to your will because I know who you are. You are my good father. 
And the Father says no to the request of the Son, but yet the Son submits to the Father's will. And he goes to the cross and dies on the cross for you and for me. And there's this wonderful account in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus is on the cross. He dies on the cross. And as he breathes his last breath, it's done. The work is done. There's this other image of where there was this curtain that stood in the temple. This curtain was where you would have to go through a priest to get to the most holiest of places to bring your offerings of sin. And, and it was only once in a year they would mostly meet, but that you couldn't approach it. And that's where they believed the presence of God dwelled. And there's this wonderful, beautiful line in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus dies and the curtain is opened up and access is given to the throne of the most holy God because of his son, Jesus Christ. The one who cried, Abba, Father, on our behalf, and now has made it possible for you and I to cry, Abba, Father. So this morning I want to just reflect on a couple of things. One, is he your father? That's where you need to begin with. If you don't know Jesus... He wants you to start there first. Before you memorize this prayer, whatever, we want you to start there first. Do you know Jesus? Is he your father? We want you to know that Jesus came to this world to die for your sins, to go to the cross and make that possible for you. But it didn't end there. He's now risen. And he's made that possible. Would you invite him into your life? Maybe even today. If you want to know what that is, maybe talk to the friend who brought you here this morning. Come and chat to one of us. We'd love to talk about what it means to access the creator of the universe through his son friends this means that if this is true for you for those of us who know jesus that means you can approach this creator of the universe as your father every time anytime anywhere you are and he wants you to come he wants you to bring whatever's going on in your life right now before his throne because he cares for you and he loves you but not only that, bringing what your requests are, then you're asking and praying for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? Well, that might mean this week as you head into your workplace, as you're about to quote that job, as you're about to finish that wiring in that job that you started, if that means that you're going to put those um, cables and whatever trades people do, I don't get it. Anyway, as you head into those places... You represent the Father of the universe through His Son. And you're saying, Jesus, Father, Your kingdom come, Your will be done. As I swing this hammer, as I hang out with my workmates. What this means is that as you head into your workplace on Monday, and you're like, I don't really want to go to work. I hate it. It's depressing. I want you to know your Father is saying, No, come, let's go do this. Let's do this together. And we're saying, Father, I'm your child because of your son. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth as it is heaven in this workplace as I do my work for you. That means if you're a parent, that means you can go before the Father and say, Father, I can come to you because you are my Father. Your son has made this possible. As I chase after my kids, as I wipe dirty bottoms, as I negotiate fights and arguments and put curfews in and all the joys and challenges of parenting, I'm praying, Father, your kingdom come 
your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, in the lives of my kids, in our household. This means that if you're in that season, maybe even this year is the year, you're brought come to retirement. This means that you can come to the Father of the universe and say, Father, I'm your child because of your son, Jesus. And I'm praying and asking him to join in. I ask that your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is heaven in the lives of my grandkids, as I volunteer, as I play golf with my friends, as I go to Europe, because apparently that's a thing to do when you're retired, as I go and enjoy your creation. Please, I pray that I will join in your kingdom work. But for some of us, it might mean this. Father, I'm your child because your son has made that possible. You know the news I've received this week, this year, last year. You already know that it's happening. You know exactly all the details of it and the outcome. I pray and ask, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, here on earth as it is in heaven. I rest in you because you're my Abba, Father. Friends, what are we going to do now in a short time before the music team comes up to play the last song? Whether if it's on your phone and if you have a pen, maybe you want to write this down. I want you to ponder on this question. As you look into this year, as you think about the days ahead, the months ahead, the year ahead, Is there anything or anyone or whatever's going in your life that you need to bring before your Heavenly Father? And then maybe you need to ask Him, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. A friend of mine who's a missionary in Singapore taught me this. She would say that, Shabu, when you come and pray, and when you pray like this, I want you to imagine this. This is not, I'm I'm not praying for my phone, by the way. I just want you to imagine, this is this thing, whatever it is that you're facing right now. When you come before the throne of grace, before the Father, and you come and say, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth. She said, what you need to do is come with this kind of a posture, with an open hand. Because in that moment, whatever it is that's going on in your life, you're saying, I'm trusting in you because you're my Father who is good. I'm trusting in you. You know exactly what's going to happen. I'm trusting you because you love me and care for me. And so the Lord, who is our Father, can either leave it or take it away or give it back. It's all His because He's good. So what I want to do now is I want to give you that time. So you can either write that on your phone or you can think about it quietly in your head or you can write it on a piece of paper. Maybe you want to pray with your spouse if you're here with your, your loved one. Maybe you want to just do that quietly. So, would you do that now? Would you spend some time? Reflect on these words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is heaven. I'll give you those few minutes to do that now. As the uh, music team comes up, I'm going to pray. Um, you might be still uh, talking to Jesus about what, whatever's going on uh, as this music seems to sing don't feel like you have to stand up and sing if you need to sit and think about it it's fine um, 
can I encourage you as you have, uh, I, don't know, I don't know who's going to have a hot tea or coffee on this weather, but if you are, uh, in the midst of those conversations and catching up, maybe ask, hey, um, what did you write down if you want to share that? Because one of the things I love about this prayer is it's not my father. He starts the line with saying, our father. Church family, we're in this together. We have an opportunity to minister to one another as we pray for each other. So would you stand with me as I pray and as we prepare to sing? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we want to thank you for sending us your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to thank you that he has made it possible for us to approach your throne of grace day after day after day. We ask that you would grow us as a church to be utterly dependent on you. We ask and pray that you would help and grow these truths in our lives. And we do pray for your kingdom come, for your will to be done both in our lives, in our church, in our neighborhood, in our city, in our nation, in our world. In your glorious risen son's name, amen.